Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and today we have a killer episode for you. Today we have Death IRL, a rapper whose flow is one rarely seen in hip-hop today. He's got a new album with Total Fucking Bliss called Death DLX that's available August 8th on all streaming platforms. I was lucky enough to get a chance to listen to it beforehand, and I believe is quite possibly one of the smoothest albums out there when you guys get a chance to listen to it, especially after our fun chat today. Make sure you support him in all the links down below. He's already released a couple singles from the album that you can listen to right now. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to support it further, support it by liking, sharing, subscribing, and or following the podcast or by going to the merch shop and repping the merch there. You can also join the Apocalypse Podcast Network Discord server, where you can chat more about this podcast and others in the network. In fact, let's hear about another grand podcast in the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Hey kids, it's the Honey Leave It Show. We just want to say thank you. We just passed the 3,000 download mark which is a big deal for a new podcast and so we're just really really grateful if you've never heard of the honey leave it show it's a comedy podcast about sex so if you like laughing and you like sex you should come and listen to the show if you don't like to laugh and you don't like to have sex please don't bother you won't enjoy it at all uh the honey leave it show has new episodes every friday on stitcher soundcloud spotify and apple of course Looking forward to seeing y'all there. Bye. And now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Oh, you're actually showing face for this one. Okay. Yeah. This, yeah. Okay. I'm surprised. May as well. I thought you were going to keep the anonymous thing, but hey, that works. <laughs> uh, my face is going to get out there one way or another. My bandmate wants to do shows anyway, so. Huh. There you go. Well, I mean, you could have done what I was doing with like the the thumbnail thing that I was showing you. Go keep the like the mask thing going up and just like get some like custom masks or whatnot. Yeah, I was thinking about that, but it's more I'm self conscious about my like image in general, so okay. I had to get over that. <laughs> I mean, I, if nothing else, like especially with the aesthetic you're trying to go for, I think it's a good image to be presenting anyway. So I think you can rock it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no yeah I probably will. <laughs> How you holding up today? Good, good. Um, just hanging out for now. That's good. It's good to hear. Then we doing work as Amen usual. To Amen to that. Amen <laughs> to that. <laughs> Sorry, just yep. the last little bit of setup on my end. There we go. Okay. By the way, thank you so much for volunt- asking to be a part of the podcast in the first place. I think you were actually one of the yeah. first people to ask if they could be on the podcast, so Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I, trust me, it's not like I didn't consider that like after the fact it's just especially after you you were presenting uh death dlx i i saw what you were saying i'm like i gotta give him a shot i gotta give him this chance yeah thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> no problem whatsoever by the way also i cannot get enough of the, the fucking singles like especially too high i have been listening yes. to that basically on loop at this point like it's it's a fucking Good. vibe that's how it was designed. It should be. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Perfect. There we go. All right. Before we get started, I must ask the icebreaker question asked for every single podcast. 
what is your most unpopular art opinion? Um, uh, unpopular. I would say my most um confronting, uh, confrontational. I okay. think it's better to put it. Um, my most uh confrontational art opinion is that fluxes and any means to democratize music within those specific art movements of like John Cage or whatever the fuck his name is, and all them was really dumb. Okay. Um, I think I think I think the doll and Jamaicans bring back uh, bring sound systems was far more democratizing than the thought experiments presented at the time. Okay. okay I think well, the doll. I think I think cracking dolls made music more <laughs> democratized theoretically than um uh, and stealing and, and the riots that gave birth to hip hop and stealing sound systems and shit like that was far more actually taking physical stuff was far more democratizing. In terms of being able to create, uh, getting music out there, obviously nothing has changed, really. So. Right. I mean, at the, I mean, at the end of the day, I think you and I can both agree it, it's very weird what you know music could define as like stealing or taking all stuff like that. And there, there are different means. Yeah. There are different means. There are different examples. I mean, I imagine the stuff you're talking about probably paved the way to what a lot of people are considering like sampling these days and how people have their like, like intense opinions on that. Literally, no, they literally stole equipment. In oh. the riots in the Bronx, yeah, when it was on fire, they literally stole equipment in the riots to make music, and Jamaicans brought sound systems over, and um, that incorporated with um, the riots. Gave, pretty much gave birth to hip hop because everyone had equipment to make music because they cut the fundings to the bands, uh, so it was really hard to get actual instruments at that time because there was no money in the New York educational system. At that time, and you say that that's so, actually a lot more influential in music than, uh, than that. The, the, in terms of actually democratizing the ability to make music, yeah, okay, that and the doll, okay, it, it, literally giving equipment to people <laughs> was stealing it. Yeah, I was gonna say giving is a bit more of a generous term, but <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, like if 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 that didn't happen, there would still be like band music, like Earth, Wind and Fire and like 70s stuff. But because they cut the funding, like no one, how the fuck am I supposed to get a trombone? Yeah. Uh, if I, <laughs> I don't have any money, how am I going to rent, you know, any string instruments if I don't have any money? Like you can't make Motown music without money. Yeah. You can't make, you can't, you make, can't a, make soul music without money. <laughs> you can't make a lot of shit without money. I mean, especially no. back then, so. Because, I mean, yeah. especially, you know, I imagine that probably helped with, you know, people getting that equipment and the means that they did. It probably influenced people to, like, experiment with all sorts of different equipment, all sorts of different stuff, one aspect to another. And that's kind of led to the accessibility of music production that's out there today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was a big help with the Jamaican, um, like, immigration to New York because they had a lot of equipment because back then, it's kind of like in PR. That's where, like, my family is from, like, Puerto Rico. Okay. It's like you would play music, like, just publicly and, and stuff, and, like, people would walk in and out of your house and, like, dance and stuff. So Jamaicans had a lot of equipment with um, making dance hall music and, like, just playing it. Like, huge stereo. Like, pretty. it's, a, it's pretty well known that, like, Jamaicans invented stereo. <laughs> Uh, like they like the concept of just having a surround sound was like huge at the time and like the sound was kind of like a movie theater and you would just be outside yeah <laughs> it's insane basically i mean again that that's some of the, like you know little stuff like that 
planted basically the seeds that led to like some of the biggest music of today. Like you say yes. dance hall. And sadly, the first thing that came to mind is like Drake, how he's kind of implemented that into his music and such. So, yeah. Like, I think the dance hall artists were like, uh, uh, super cat or something like that. And yeah, like Shabba go. ranks and all. Yeah. <laughs> but, but basically that, what you, all that boils down to is that a hill that you're basically willing to die on that, that basically helped, music a lot more like democratizing or making it more accessible absolutely. to people than, ev- than anything else a- a- absolutely as a communal project and getting people into making music that actually like has self-actualizing purpose um absolutely yeah so there you go people if you want art to be truly nourished out in the world start a riot um <laughs> yes steal steal the equipment pirate the equipment <laughs> Uh, but with that, I can't think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Nathan Raglan. Uh, feel free to subscribe or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. I'm a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com to see more about this podcast and other outstanding ones in the network. And follow us on Twitter at and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest... <clears throat> He is a rapper whose flow meshes masterfully with any producer he's collaborated with. His new album, Death DLX, is out August 8th. Welcome to the podcast, Death IRL! Thanks for having me. Peace, 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 peace. How you doing today? Fantastic, as always. (laughs) That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I'm glad glad to have you here. I said this a little bit in the Happy intro. Here. I, I said this in the intro, but you were literally one of the first people to ask to be on this podcast, and it's something I've always kind of kept in mind. So thank you for giving me an odd support in one aspect for another, knowing that there are people that want to actually be here. <laughs> yes, I've been subscribed for a while, too. So. Oh, really? Is it, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Sorry to go on me for a second here, but is there an episode <laughs> that kind of like piqued your interest or one that you were like amazed with after you watched I it? I think you it's been a while. I, I literally just don't go online that much, except for Twitter, you. just for. Um, but I think it was a. Uh, was it left at London? Yes. Ah, oh, yeah. I think that was it. Uh, yeah, the, it was like one of the first ones too. Yeah, that was episode. I think that was three. Yeah, that's that's three at this point. Yeah. That was one of the most surreal moments for me because I had been a huge fan of hers. And then, like, as I was starting this podcast, I decided to email her on a whim, and she's like, "Yeah, sure." And I'm like, "Oh." Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's like a pretty cool person. Pretty dope person. She is Yeah, she's wonderful. That's all I say. But before we divulge too much into me and all this other kind of stuff, I want to know about yeah, I want to know I want to know about you. More or less kind of the origin stories of Death IRL. What got you interested in art and music in the first place? Mm, um none of my family's artistic, by the way. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, I come from New Jersey, um, working class folks. My dad worked into a factory, uh, worked in a factory till he passed. My mom is a nurse. Uh, my sisters are in the medical field. Uh, my uncle is works for the transit. Like I, I don't. Uh, my other uncle works for the state. Like I don't have anyone. Oh, everyone is just working. And before that, we worked in chicken factories, turkey factories um animal you know just animal products and yeah. shit like that and my grandmom came from the island working in banana fields and tobacco fields yeah um we're just hard working folk um i guess if anything i took that work ethic and applied it to music i try to make as much music as differently as possible what got me into that was just rap music rap okay. music just immediately got me into that when i listen i think 
around like 2010. That was like 10 years ago. Yeah. So like a, half my age is when I started like really writing. Is there a uh, is, is there like a musician that kind of like piqued your interest when it came to how well they've implemented their music, like the flow, you know, the, the um, lyrics that they had? Uh, Nas and Lupe Fiasco and like ASAP Rocky at that time. He oh, just yeah. came out when that came. Um, but I was a big Lupe Fiasco fan before I was like a Kanye fan. Okay. Because of the daydreaming video. I don't know if you know that. He's like, he's on top of a robot or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> when that played on MTV, that like, oh, I was obsessed with that. That and the gorillas video with the windmill. Like, uh, those were the two videos. Uh, was I was, feel, so feel I guess those were two things. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, Feel yeah. Good Ink. That was the gorillas video, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, 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 those, like, especially those two you listed right there, that just opens a lot of people's like creativity at least when it comes to like the videos themselves but like the music added onto that was just like taking it to a whole nother level like straight up yeah my mom thought uh it was weird but i liked it so i kept listening to it and then asap rocky because of his video when he had the jeremy scott's with the bones on them they're like flintstone jeremy scott's with like bones on the laces okay like i thought that was the flyest thing i've ever seen in my life like no at that time like people weren't like dressing like that like people weren't dressing like slick rick used to dress right or like like it, it was like suits and stuff and or or then at that time it was like it, it was either mafioso suits or like triple XL jerseys. Yeah, like that's exactly quadruple what it was. XL jerseys. <laughs> and like, so to see this guy like actually dress like, oh, I want to, I actually want to dress like this dude. You know, like I was like, oh, and and his flows were hard. Yeah. He had he was working with um Clams Casino and like that whole Southern Florida uh click kind of he took that sound from like Space Ghost Perp and all that. Like that led me down a rabbit hole, and I was like, oh, this is dope. Yeah, Kid Cudi too. Kid Cudi was everywhere. Like Kid Cudi, like the goat. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Especially when that first album came out or whatnot. Ooh, Jesus, that was something else. Like, I, I never knew like you could do that in in music. Like rock music wasn't like doing that. Like no one. Like I never listened. Like when I was listening to rock music, like my dad had Motown and classic rock, and it was like The Doors. Like. It wasn't. Be, I mean, sure, it's emotional, but it's not like really honest. Like it's cluttered by Jim Morrison's uh, poetry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of the Beatles, like, like I don't know. A lot of it was just there was nothing that honest. I had never heard that in my life. Like Kid Cudi would literally say, like, "Yeah, I cry in my sleep sometimes." So uh. <laughs> yeah, it, it, no one else except for like The Cure, maybe. But like. And the Smiths, kind of, but like I don't know. It was this was like deeply more realistic and it, simplistic it showed, in a good way. It, it showed more of a uh, a vulnerable, more personal personality than a lot of these big bands who big rock bands, but such whose whole entire like mentality was to, like get the crowd hype in one aspect or another. Not everyone's yeah. gonna like sit through like a sad story before rap came along. That is, yeah. And, like, yeah, like, rap music at that time, like, there was always emotional tracks. But it'd be, like, one. It'd be, like, two tracks on the album. You, that's, like, kind of what you expected. It's, like, okay, here's a sad track. Here's the track about the passing of someone. Here's, like, you know, this is the the person on the T-shirt track. Yeah. And then, um, but, like, um, and it would be beautiful music. Like, you know, Memory Lane with Nons would be, like, reflective with, like, the past and, like, Ill Will. And, like, as always on that album, um... 
DMX slipping, like the prayer, like, oh, there's like so many DMX tracks that were like that. Lauren Hill had a couple tracks, but like not a whole album. Right. I never heard like a whole album that went through like an emotional story arc, like quite as personal as that first Kid Cudi record. Exactly. So, exactly. So, yeah. so when did for you go from just like this, this love of like this different kind of music that you never experienced before to a passion potentially making it your career? Um, when I got into like eighties hardcore a couple of years after that, like around 2015 or whatever, mm-hmm. I got into like, um, because my mind, like making music is just impossible. Like I don't have, I like ask, I can, like, I think I never thought I could ask my parents for like money for making music. Like that was just, I didn't even know you could go to school for making music. Right. Like I just, it was just not, I eventually did for like two years, okay. uh, do like, but like music industry, I didn't really go for like making music. Oh, gotcha. Um, but um, yeah, like, but once I heard, found out you could do it, like punk, like rock was just like yeah, and like the Bad Brains demos, you can hear one guy playing outside, and you can hear like the cricket at night, and one guy recorded in his tub, and one guy recorded like each parts were recorded all around the small ass apartment. And, like, once I found that you could actually do it, and I figured out what a, uh, I was, like, a kid, you know? I didn't know what a doll was. No one was making music around me. Yeah. Like, and once I found out what a doll was, like, it was, and, like, audacity, yeah. like, it was just, I was like, you know what? I'll try it. Like, I was already writing at the time. I, I always was writing something. Like, I don't know. That was just in me. But, like, I started, and I was like, I, like, at this time, Big Sean was on the, my Pandora radio or whatever. And, like, I could write, I could write this. Yeah. write this like i i could i could write this like this ain't jada kiss like i could i could do something you know at least like this like little light work and like um and that's what started punk really got me into like the thing thinking that i could record i wouldn't be able to record till like years later but like punk got me into that idea that like it's it's within the realm of possibility you know okay. i mean yeah i mean if nothing else like that kind of realization of the the DIY aspect that again wasn't there before for you when I like I can only imagine like the the possibilities that like just opened your mind or whatnot. Do you have yeah. like do you have like uh <laughs> I, I know like for anyone that's like starting off with this stuff it wasn't it couldn't have been just like really easy for you. Like I imagine there was probably like, you know, the the early struggles of trying to understand like how to record certain things or how to like edit certain things where you could get like a certain noise that you're trying to go for. Yeah, uh, I still struggle with that. It's not like a, it's not like something that ends, you know. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't end. I mean, I, I guess it's because I do so many different sounds. That's fair. That's there's fair. so many, there's so many different approaches I have to take per record. Um, um, like in terms, like and just adjusting levels and just making sure that the distortion's correct. Should there be distortion on this record? Should there be distortion on that record? Well, you know, why do I like I say I sound good saturated on this record, but I don't sound good saturated on this record. You know, um, the flows, the mechanics of actually writing and composing the uh, the persona or character you want to portray or idea like all that and all that with the recording aspect. I mean, it's all one thing. It's all copacetic. Like um, you can't really have the theming without it bleeding into how you record. Right, you know, right. absolutely no, and, and it, it's funny you bring that up. Kind of the character that you want to portray, or more or less. I, like I said, you, you go by mm-hmm. Death IRL. What exactly led yeah. to that, like name and persona, and how do you try to portray that persona out to the world? 
Oh, it's more so like it came out. I'm not really like an internet person, to okay. be honest. Um, it came from like to remind people that death is real. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not a it's not a joke. Um, I think I think a lot of I think the internet has made it comfortable to be like to flex death almost as like clout and mental illness and suicide and addiction and um, homicide, murder, like. I think there's like almost like a clout chasing element, but like my dad killed himself. My mom's mentally ill. I'm mentally ill. I know people who have actually killed people. I know people who have died. They <laughs> just, just flat out just died. Like from God knows what, like the list goes on. Right. Um, it's, it's like, it's just not something you really want to flex. And like, I just like, I just want to remind people that it's like, it's real. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not a joke. There are people out here with receipts that are longer than me, t- as I am tall. Yeah. So, like, it's some people really like to play with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and not understand the full. And then when it happens to them, then it's like, oh, oh, what was me? Like, now you want like it's like it's just it's just to remind people that it's real and it's not something to be like played with. And yeah. I, I think a lot of I think because a lot of the people online are young. Um, and I, I think, uh, they don't really get it yet. Yeah. You know, as much as like everyone posts about it, there's one thing knowing something and then like the other is understanding, like knowing means it's the thoughts in your head, but when it's in your heart is like, it's understanding. I think a lot of people like just lack understanding in general. Kids know a lot of things these days though, but I don't think they like understand some of the things they not saying they're ignorant. It's just like really saying it with your chest is like a completely different you know vibe oh absolutely it's one of those i was gonna say you saying knowing versus understanding that's the thing i'm pretty sure my dad has told me before and that's something i completely understand it's kind of one of those like you know i could say a million different things or whatnot but that doesn't necessarily mean that i know what i'm talking about trust me we've seen we've seen a lot of people in higher positions doing that um (laughs) yeah to say i know the planet's gonna end in 20 years from climate change or whatever is way different than understanding and feeling it like when i saw that it's like 700 tons of dead matter from the ocean washed up in florida like from just like dead animals like that's that hurt that hurt my heart more than like it's like it's just i feel like people are putting it off. I think it's also a very American thing to think you're immortal yeah. and uh, <laughs> untouchable. I think a lot of Americans think that just no consequences to their actions because that's what society teaches them. But well, um, it's just one of those, you know, what's, yeah. what's this death thing? I could shoot away with my shotgun or anything else. It, I, I, yeah, I, I like, can conquer death in all aspects. <laughs> it's like, and also it's just like, well, also a lot of people like well now it's like starting to change but back then like a lot of people just like eh, i'll just put it off i have money i I work too much i i'll just put off dealing with anything that comes to me and now we're kind of there's no more money in the tank so you have to face reality as <laughs> as crushing as it is and nothing is you know passive anymore i, I think that's why everyone's more political now it's just everything's in your face we're, we're hitting the wall yeah, and you, and when you hit the wall, you gotta look back, and then that's when the reality sets in. Yeah, I can. You know. Yeah, no joke. You're speaking nothing but facts at this point, man. That's all I got. So, <laughs> um, well, speaking of looking back a little bit, I want to look back just a little bit as well. Like I said, you you know, when you realize kind of the DIY aspect of making music or whatnot, what was like the first opportunity for you to like make like a true record more than anything else? A true record? Oh, um, when I met Titmouse in Titmouse. college. Shout out to Titmouse. Yeah, I rap. 
Yeah, I rapped for her, and then she um, she was like, "We got to get you. I got to record you as soon as possible." And then uh, that was it. That's how my first record was born. <laughs> hey, there we go. I yeah. mean, hey, that that's that's gotta be sick more than anything else. It's kind of one of those like you just wanted to push something out, and then this person who probably has a lot more experience with this kind, of, or at least a little bit more experience with this kind of stuff, just wanted oh, to, way like, more. Wanted to, wanted to basically take your raw talent and make it into something. How was that experience like yeah. for you? Um, Tim Mouse is a legend. Like, <laughs> if if you ever get the chance to talk to Tim Mouse, her career is insane. Like, it really is where she's like, like it's insane. Um, so it was really, it was I was really grateful for that. She helped. She pretty much taught me how to record even the basics, um, and taught me how I should sound over like what beats in terms of uh, what my voice could do. And then, like, I kind of expanded upon that, like, after. Um, but that making that first record, it's only, like, eight tracks, but we were in college, too. But yeah. it took, like, a year to, like, finalize that. Eight, um, so, that was a, so that was a lot of hours, a lot of takes. Um, it, it, it took, because I was just raw. Like, how I sounded in my head is not how I sounded in real life. I know a lot of people, you, you record, so you know how it takes a while to kind of make the, make that synthesis yeah. like close that gap it's of, like of you, what i imagine and what i actually am you know as well as, as well as you have like basically like this announcer voice in your head or like this glorified version in your head of like i sound like the greatest person to ever exist and in real life is like exactly. so how are things going <laughs> yeah it's like you you don't know how to it take the only thing that can bridge that gap is time yeah that's why there's some records where i sound way more confident uh some songs I sound way more confident on that record, and those were the last ones we did. Because <laughs> you, you know, after like a year or so, it's like, all right, I know how to do this. We've been <laughs> we've been struggling trying to do this, but now I kind of know. And then I was able to take that and just do it wherever with my little mic. It's right over there. But <laughs> there you go. So, is there a difference in your opinion that you appreciate more when working with a producer compared to just working for yourself? Working. Uh, what do you mean? Like. I, I know a lot of people, like, they like to produce their own stuff, and that's, like, the way they just want to go from day um, one or whatnot. Meanwhile, like, people – there's a lot of people okay. that produce, like, produ prefer producers. Words are wonderful. Um, prefer yeah. producers when they're trying to make their records. Yeah, I prefer producers because I, I, just, I just like working with someone. Nice. I, I'm not, like – I'm not a genius by any means. Like, I'm not, in, uh, like, in terms of – I'm not a musical savant. Um, I'd rather hear what someone else has to bring to the table and then – we collaborate. I think that's my biggest gift is that I'm able to be like, oh, this is what you want for this beat or this production style. Okay. I can do that. Um, I'd rather do that than just come up with the entire idea, uh, idea myself. I think that's lame. I think you also get caught in a rut unless you're Kanye West. Um, I, I, cause then, cause then what happens to someone says you got to make a different sound. Yeah. Like <laughs> then you guys, I mean like there's tools you learn, but like I don't know, I just, I'd rather work with someone who's a genius at what they do yeah. than uh, an all arounder. Yeah, I mean, like I'd rather work with someone who has their distinct sound already figured out. Yeah, like, no, that, that's fair. I think I was, that's just interesting. I was gonna say you brought up a good point with like Kanye or whatnot. I know one of my personal favorite artists who you can see perfectly behind me, Tyler the Creator or whatnot. Like, yeah, he yeah. does his own beats and stuff, but I've also seen it to where he's produced beats for others, and like the magic is still there. It's just one of those like, yeah, find those people that mesh well one way or another to where like it benefits both of you at the end of the day. 
and Tyler's not an idiot. He knows who he can bring the best out of. Yeah. Like every every feature he picks is handcrafted for the sound. He knows how you're supposed like he, he he knows like he knows who to pick. Like that's who I that that to me is a real producer. Like and yet like I'd rather work with real actual producers is what I'm I guess I'm trying to say. People who know what they want to make yeah. and know that I actually fit what they want to make. There like I don't want someone just saying I, I this happens to me a lot where they're like, You sound great on this beat. No, I fucking wouldn't. Like <laughs> you know <laughs> like what are you talking about? Like what do you why are you sending me this YouTube intro beat? Like I don't like I don't wanna like why are you doing this? Like you know I don't did you listen to my last record? You, you know go. I don't sound like this. Like, could I rap over it? Yeah, but why would I want have you listened to any of my records? <laughs> Every beat I rap on has color and yeah. character and activity. There like, they, like these beats are geriatric and flatline. Like these, like why do you not have drums on on this? Like, not not in like a weird way. You got yeah. drums, but like they ain't drums. Like it's weird. They're like placeholders. Like I'm they're so, not real drums. I'm sorry. Like it's so bizarre. I'm sorry. It's been ages since someone has used the word geriatric. It is great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like, like it's like these these beats are a hospice. Like I don't want to rap over these stale. Like they got sound, but they don't have any color, and they got drums, but they don't really bounce. They're like YouTube intro beats, very non-offensive, very uh, flatline. You can listen to it anywhere, anytime, and it fades to black. Like, like, like you know, I I don't rap over that. <laughs> you, you, you need to make a diss track for YouTube intro beats, like j- just a full on track, and then like use an intro beat as the beat to just dunk on how bad uh, those beats are. <laughs> it's so bad, and like I don't know why you would call like cold call me essentially. I I never heard that. Like only in only in America or this modern music industry do people cold call beats. I'd never heard of that before in my life. I've never seen, like, I, could you imagine if I just knocked on someone's door and be like, yo, I could lay down 32 bars for you right now for three, uh, $300. Like, that sounds, re- why would you do that to me? Like, hey, yo, you like this beat? Yeah, it's okay. $50. Like, I, that's not how you, like, I don't like it like that. Like, yeah, there you go. I, I've never, like, I've never seen, I don't, I, I guess it's hustle culture and I get it. We all want to make money in music. Right. We all want to make money in art. But don't cold call me, man. But, <laughs> Don't just hit up my DM. You sound great over like no, I wouldn't sound good over that. Like and don't try and don't tell me fifty dollars, but I, it's a lease. So that means I don't. You don't even own the beat. Like I get it. I get it. We're trying to make money. We're trying to make money, but like, there's different ways. Of, they, they, that's just not the way. At the end of the day, that's you're basically saying. At the end of the day, you're basically saying do the work and create something original than just giving me something random. Yeah, and it's just like also be part of a scene. Like I don't like don't charge someone. I don't charge. I, I know it sounds stupid, but if you really want to grow as an artist, and to if we could actually make it one day or like blow up, you're not gonna. No one has money. Mm-hmm. It's 2020. It's 2021. Uh, the eviction momentorium or whatever is about to be canceled. These people you're hitting up are nine times out of ten probably gonna end up on the streets soon. Maybe. So please have patience. Like this isn't. It, we're not going to blow up in a day. Yeah. Some people do, but it's usually because they're already signed. Most of these people, gonna, most artists I know, are either living with eight other people, living with their bands, living like they're it, or and working for scraps. Right. No one has money in the scene or any scene really. 
Like when people go on tour, they're usually losing money. <laughs> you know how expensive it it is to DIY. Very it's more expensive in terms of proportions. In terms of proportion, uh, proportional income, it's far more expensive to DIY than to do anything else. Well, that's because it's like if I. It, I was gonna say, especially if, with if, the if, DIY, it's one of those. I imagine they try to recuperate that with merch sales, but now everyone's really gonna be buying merch. And and, and it's like, well, even for example, if you want merch, if you want this amount of t-shirts, say you're working a nine to five part time because you're in retail or whatever, mm-hmm. you're you're making about, and they only they work you thirty nine point nine nine hours, so you don't get benefits. The classic, the American classic. Um, so you're making about an eight dollars. $7 minimum wage, $8 minimum wage uh, nationally. You're probably making around two to $300 a week. You spend $200 to get so many sweatshirts, uh, you know, made. So many, and another $200 for so many tapes made. Another 200 like here. Like, you're losing money all the time. How much on touring, gas, instruments, more technology. Like, you're DIYing it proportionally if you're working a minimum wage which a lot of people are, or in the service industry, you're getting your ass kicked constantly just to be able to do, just to replicate, like, a tenth of what a, a small, like, you know, actual independent label could do. So, like, people need patience. You know, don't cold call me, man. Yeah. <laughs> I have my artists I work with, and they work with me for free. There don't cold go. call me. There you go. <laughs> Basically, I don't charge anyone else. There you so. go. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, speaking of like working with artists that you love or whatnot, let's talk about this new record that you got coming up real soon. Uh, yeah, with total fucking bliss. Yeah, one half <laughs> there of you Death go. DLX. Let's ba- go. That's what I was. You basically took that part. I was gonna say, yeah, your, <laughs> your new album that, uh, coming out August eighth, Death DLX with Total Fucking Bliss. How did this project come to be? Uh, Total Fucking Bliss hit me up out of nowhere. Ooh, I was okay. like, yo, this is sound good? I was like, yeah, this sounds fire. Like, this is, let me actually, uh, we needed to get the, she, she needed to get the record mixed, so I sent it over to Chloe. Okay. Chloe Hotline. I was like, yo, this song actually, like, rips. Like, <laughs> you, can you, like, help, help her out a little bit with the mixing? And then I was like, wait, can I be on the, she was like, yeah, absolutely. And that was the, and that was, I think that was, like, too high. And I did it in like 30 minutes, and that was the first song we did. That, wait, Too High um, was the first one? Yeah. Holy We did that in like shit. 30. At least I did the the verse in like 30 minutes. Right. Like, because um, it, like, when a beat grabs me, it only takes me like a little bit. And uh, I, like, I had the flow mapped out and exactly, because uh, my partner been wanting a song made about it. I was like, all right, this is the perfect, <laughs> yeah. this is the perfect time to do. I kept telling her, no, nah, no, nah, wait, it's got to be on the right sound. It's got to be on the right sound. Like, rushing me. And then um, as soon as I heard the beat, I was like, no, nah, I got all the bars laid out. I got all the theming laid out. So that was the first track. And then we did, and then uh, Bliss had like, um, like a bunch of hardcore like recordings. Yeah. And then I just did stuff over that. And then uh, we came up the Id- with the idea for the record. I referenced Outcast, uh, Love Below, Speaker go. Box, whatever. <laughs> and then um, we went, we went with the record. And go. yeah, that was it. 
I was gonna say I love how you <laughs> made that kind of comparison because for me, whenever I listen to you, you, you were gracious enough to go ahead and give me basically an advanced copy link or whatnot so yeah. I can listen to it. I love how the first half is basically, at least in my opinion, the first half is like a Rage Against the Machine album, and then the second half is kind of like <laughs> that that uh like the Cuddy album basically talk about a lot more like emotional, yeah. a lot more deep with that shit. Was that always like a mentality that you kind of got you guys had whenever you were putting this uh list together? I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because um, we we're mixly, uh, originally going to remix like some songs. Okay. Um, and go from there. But then uh, the idea came in my head on how, if we were to do a full project, how it would be structured, and she loved it. So then we uh, started mocking up. Uh, her partner started mocking up an album cover, um, and then we just went from there. Like I thought the idea was good. And I wouldn't I put forth like an idea like that unless I knew we could do it. Like a lot, not no diss to any like producers at all. It just requires like specific skill set. Yeah. You know, not everybody has that specific skill set. You know, I work with Titmouse because I love Titmouse production. I work with Chloe Hotline because I love Chloe Hotline production. But you know, it just it just this was the only time we could do a record like this with Bliss. She had the, that specific skill set. Yeah. And I had the specific skill set of writing. Like I, I knew I could take on like a dual project idea. Yeah. Um, I thought we did pretty good um, with it too. So. I mean, you, in yeah. my opinion, you the guys did more than pretty good. Like I said, like the the different sounds as the the album, the flow of it more than anything else is something that I rarely see out there these days. Like it, it's it's a great flow. You fucking crush it with your lyrics and your lines and shit Thank like it, it's it's absolutely insane like what you guys are producing out there and i honestly cannot wait for the rest of the world to hear it after this you know yeah. after this podcast comes out uh, how is this experience I, yeah. more or less different than some of the other experiences you've had in the past like working with total fucking bliss and working with chloe hotline um uh like i said um if it's like um tools like an like a skill set mm -hmm. or like um it's um I have a very I like to flex that I have a wide like I can do I have a wide range in terms of how I can rap uh theming and all that and I use that to my advantage to produce records that sound very differently and work with producers. Um Bliss has the same skill. So it was really it was really interesting and different to be able to not worry about like Oh, if I want to do this, can this producer do that? No, Bliss can do whatever she wants. <laughs> and go. I can do whatever I want. And then it was able to, like I said, it was able to produce a record like the one we did. It was only because of who I was working with and who she was working with, that being me, is that we were able to do a huge range of sounds and styles. Right. So, um, and usually the catch with that is like, oh, what do I do? Yeah. I have so many options. What do I do? Nah, we were just laser focused. <laughs> Mostly because she already had beats that were like somewhat constructed. Uh, arrangements that were somewhat constructed. So it was a lot easier to be laser focused. And then once we came up with the framework of having two halves, mm -hmm. then it was, you know, even easier to fulfill what was needed for the projects, like parameters, if right. you want to call them that. Right. I mean, it's, it's definitely, yeah. it's a good mindset definitely going into a project like this that 
has its own like uniqueness to it or nothing else. We can definitely see like one of the aspects shining bright with the single that you've already released that you talked about too high. Mm -hmm. uh, like if you, had, mm -hmm. if you told me straight up that juice world originally had this beat or something like that, was planning on using it before he <laughs> passed away. I would have believed you because that yeah. beat, like <laughs> that beat is just like, I mean the, the music video you guys uh, were able to get with it more or less like showcase that with just like the, the floating clouds and all that shit. Like it was, yeah. it, it's a great song. And like, again, whenever you like, you hear like the rap, like the flow going into it or whatnot, like yeah. it just meshes so beautifully together. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that flow, I, I was like, so like I'm from South Jersey. Okay. So South Jersey has, a, uh, more connections with PA and the DMV area. We get a lot of Virginia folks. Okay. Lincoln, South Jersey and stuff. So that Southern sound has always kind of been in the perimeter and that Southern flow that I've been wanting to use. Okay. And I was like, I had to use it for this track. I had to like bigger the real, bigger the man. Like, and almost, there's like a slight draw to it. Like I had to flex. I already have, apparently have an accent like <laughs> that's kind of thick. So. I was uh, I was like, yeah, I'll just lean right into it. <laughs> and I mean, you know, yeah. leaning into it, I think actually kind of helped, like you said, you know, kind of helped the record make it to like taking it to that level that again I've rarely heard out there these days. So, I I'm yeah, I like that. I mean, it it's great to see you like going out there and actually making this. But whenever you announced this record, you said on a bittersweet note that this might be the last one you're making for a long while. Do you want to explain why yeah, that be the case? I'm going to school. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to school. Yeah, I'm going to school. I'm going to learn how to be a pharmacy technician. Okay. Um, I got the brain. I got the brawn. Let's do it, son. I just Fair so that's why I'll be spending six months of my life doing that while working on the weekends. Ain't no way I'm gonna get a record done. Yeah. I'll be I'll be I'll be working seven days a week. Ain't no way I'm getting a record done. <laughs> Honestly, you know, after after hearing that, okay, that makes sense. That's fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, ain't no way I'm getting a record done. Ain't no way. I'll be in school five days a week, eight to four thirty. I'll be um, and I'll be working on the weekends, six eight hour shifts, whatever they give me. Yeah. Like it's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's it's one of those. If nothing else, you need to focus on yourself, providing for yourself at the end of the day. And as much as you love music, like you you come priority number one. Yeah. And I got to stick with my lifting regimens, my cardio regimens to remain healthy. And like, I, there's just too much other, and I got a partner. Like, it's just too much other, like, stuff I have to not even, like, deal with. It's just manage. And um, okay. uh, I want to be a better partner and more physically healthy than anything else in this world. So, <laughs> you know what? That's that's fair enough. That I mean, it, it, I, yeah. I completely understand. But, you know, it, if this is going to be more or less like your last ride, at least for Lord knows how long, out of all the yeah. stuff that you've done before, do you have like a personal like favorite verse or a favorite song that you've been able to put out there? Uh, a personal favorite, like one that even probably you... verse. I'm more of a verse person. Okay, like I break songs down by verses. But is there like um, is there like a verse that you've put out there that even you listen back to and be like, man, this shit is fucking incredible. How the fuck did yeah. I do this? Absolutely. It was um what was the song called? It was on my first record. Okay. Um Panopticon Blues. Okay. With Titmouse. I wrote this verse when I was like fourteen. Mm -hmm. 
13, 14, it goes, uh, metal bomb is ticking, affliction is in the kitchen, eviction notice, erodus, the pilot light and ignition, they whipping that white on white, calling it dynamite, cause it's gonna blow a hole in your home when you light the pipe. Oh my god, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. It is disgusting. I remember, I remember when I wrote that, and I, cause like, you know, like, you just see whatever things happen, and I was like, oh, I got like, and I penned that, like, uh, I was like, because I was really on internal rhymes at that time. Right. Like, Earl Sweatshirt was big. Yeah. Um, Like, Doris, like, had just come out, like, not too long ago. Maybe that year I wrote that. So, like, I was like, oh, I got something. <laughs> and then I, I, I held on to that till, like, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> In my little rhyme book. Yep. Shit. That just fucking... Where's my microphone? <laughs> Drop the mic. No, I can't. This, yeah. this this mic is too expensive for me to drop it. Anyways, um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's incredible, man. I forgot. I tried to listen to all yourself, and I apologize. I think I missed that one. But it's like, I gotta go back yeah. and find that one so I can like listen to that because that sounds fucking intense right there. Good it's one. like my voice is so young on that. Like I don't have the confidence for that to make that record pop as much as it should. That's why I want to re-record eventually. But that verse is always hot. Like that verse is insane. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I mean, we, we we talked about, like, all these incredible, like, the stuff that you've basically done at this point, and, like, all the stuff that, you know, working with all these different people, producing some amazing music, and trust me, I'm going to shout you with a little bit more praise here in a little bit, but before we jump into that, I'm going to jump into more or less, like, the dream project. Let's say... I'm big shot. Uh, <laughs> I'm big shot, Mr. Moneybags. All right. I have connections to anyone and everyone in the industry. And I have more money than should be available in the world. I come up to him like, look, man, we've listened to your rhymes. We listened to your verses and stuff. And like, you've got it. So we want to provide you a platform to showcase it. If given the opportunity, what would either be the dream project you would like to make or what would be the dream collaboration you would like to get done? Um, oh, the dream collaboration. I don't like rappers as people that much, so I, <laughs> I kind of limit. I think a lot of rappers these days are like kind of annoying. Personally, their music's fire, but some of them I feel like I just be like, dude, why are you doing this in the studio right now? Um, this is like hundreds of dollars, for, hundreds of thousands of dollars, we're just wasting for you to walk around um i mean fair but i, I, would, I was gonna say is there like an artist that you would just like to like collaborate with even just for like a single song unironically 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 either at the drive-in or um their band um they released one of my favorite albums called relationship of command They're like a post-hardcore band okay and the lead singer i think he's spanish too so i would love or Coheed and Cambria. There you go. <laughs> Those, uh, another leads, uh, he's Puerto Rican and Italian, so he's kind of like me. Okay. Um, so I would love to, I would love to, and uh, in terms of hip hop sphere, I would love to have an entire record produced by either 88 Keys, who did, I think he did a lot of uh, Yasin Bey's first record. Okay. Um, I love the sound or Q-Tip. Okay. Like Q-Tip, absolutely. I would love to rap over Q-Tip's production. Yeah. And get like, and like, because Q-Tip also has access to like native tongues artists. Like, I, I would, I would pay a hundred thousand just for a hook by Erica Badu. Like, I'm, I would pay five hundred thousand just for a hook by Badu or Miss Lauren Hill. Like, go. in terms of that whole, 
like and if if it was a really dream like a wish dream yeah um like um college dropout kanye late registration kanye i would love to be in the rockefeller studios that just in that space at that time just to see like like just jay-z and kanye being friends um like would just blow my mind just them being friends let them making music yeah but like or like just like I could be in there, Beanie Siegel just walks in the studio. There you go. The truth. Like I would lose I would lose my mind if Cameron just walked in. Like these were dudes who were all like Dame Dad, like all dudes who were that was like one of my favorite times in hip hop. I didn't even know it. Yeah. And and like I when I went back and like looked at videos and stuff like that, like it just brings like almost a tear to my eye. I like wish I was there. I wish I was there when Lupe first walked in that record yeah. and, and got and, and was talking to people like like uh or when he did touch the sky like when that loop favors oh my like, god I, like yeah. all those moments i wish i was there for like or when or like 98 or like 1998 i think or like some, a year before dmx went into the um rock like half the hood with him into the studio and he had his jaw wired su- uh, shut like Kanye did. Mm-hmm. But when he was recording like one of his verses, he, you could hear in the original recording, I like the, it's not out, like the wiring break and snap from him, like just like <laughs> rapping, like like stuff like that. I wish I don't even want to make records like <laughs> with these people. <laughs> I just want to be there. Like making a record is just like something else. But like being there, like during those times and just seeing DMX do, it was probably like Rough Riders Anthem. It was something from his first album. Yeah. Um, like break through the metal wiring, apparently. Like yeah, when he yeah. recorded that with like half the hood in there. And that they signed him immediately. Imme- they never seen nothing like that in their entire lives. They never seen nothing like that. And the rap's been around for a while. Yeah. At this well, not a while, but it's in this it's in the industry. Mm-hmm. Right? And they never seen no dude operate like this thorough since like Pac. <laughs> like, like they like no one ever brought this energy since like Pac. Yeah. Like Biggie kind of did, but like Diddy cleaned it up, you know. Um, like Suge obviously was not cleaning up nothing, <laughs> but they never seen this energy since like Pac. You know, bless the dead. Like, like uh, and like we kind of like. I wish I was just like there for that kind of stuff yeah. more so than anything. Because oh, no. then I would pick up ideas. I'd learn how to make a record Thanks. just by hanging out. Like, <laughs> it's, it'd be a good, it'd be a good way to shadow. And I mean, again, Mr. Moneybags, I have all the money in the world. I can get you a time machine. I can make that happen to you one way or another. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I like I love all the modern rappers, but like, I don't know. I just um, they're not they're not like. I'm doing my own thing because, the, in spite of like modern rappers, like I don't hear anything that I like. So I make the music that I like. <laughs> yeah. I, I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I mean, it was probably a different mindset back in the day and what you were talking about compared to what it is nowadays. To where it's like, it just you know, because of the DIY aspect, anyone can make it. Meanwhile, back then, like there was only so few people getting signed and shit, so you had to like and, really yeah. showcase yourself. And it was, and it was like nine to fives. Like a lot of these dudes, like uh, a lot of these dudes and producers were like working all the time. Yeah, all the time. You know, like everyone was a hardest working man in showbiz at that point. To get a rap record out there, to get a rap record out there, you had to be one. You you either had to be a genius or working all the time, yeah. rewriting, re- sending verses, re- like to get a rap record a budget. You know, yeah. like a whole record that budget. You had to you had to be a Lupe fiasco. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like it was really hard. Or Drake, it was like you had to be genius, like, uh, like a top, top of whatever you do. Like Drake is obviously top tier, whatever he does. Like I know people try. Time, time has proven that we've had many right. people try to be Drake. No one can be Drake. You know, we have many people try to be Kanye. No one can be Kanye. Yeah. No one can be Lupe. These are artists that are geniuses that got budgets because of it. Like somehow, some way, they're yeah. geniuses that haven't. But for a rap record, especially, you're going to be held into way harder standards than like the new Billie Eilish record. Yeah. You're going to be held to way harder standards than, you know, the new Maroon, Maroon 5. Maroon 5 can put out a record and sell 2 million copies oh, shit. with nothing. Even like the worst record you ever heard. Like, like you have to be on a, to handle, like to get the budgets, a tenth of the budgets that these people are getting. You have to be like undeniable <laughs> back then, at least back then, even now, like even now, like. These people don't get as big as budgets as you believe. Like, why do you think uh, these rappers are releasing a ton of visualizers? Yeah, I, I <laughs> believe that. Like, yeah, they're not putting like, all right, dude. You had like two hit records, and we can't even get a tenth of those plays. Uh, for real. Yeah. Like, we're not giving you a video budget for this song. You get one song. You get one song. <laughs> that's all you get. <laughs> well, that that just proves again just how the times have changed more than anything else. Um, yeah. But yeah, but. Sadly, we have to come down from the dream scenario a little bit. We got to get back to reality. Yes. Um, I'll ask the ever so generic question. Where do you hope to see yourself, say, five, ten years from now? I hope to see myself. I, I would love to be at Lollapalooza or whatever okay. if the vid dies down. I would love to be at uh, Coachella or whatever. Yeah. Like any, any of, I would love to be a festival performer. I know that's like big, but like. I feel like if Death DLX, especially because we have a more pop orientated edge to us, I think we could do like stadiums or like festivals, I should say. Maybe not like, you know, stadiums, but definitely festivals. I feel like we could do. I think I think we have the pop edge to be able to do that. Like records like Too High, like that, that I feel like I feel like if Brock Hampton dropped that song, it'd be one of the best singles on their album. Uh, like, like Personally I, speaking. Like I said, if you told me that was like a Juice World track or something like that, I would have believed you. Yeah, no, I, I think that's... um, And we could do more of those. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I think it's possible. I, I, I think it should be possible. Um, As we're winding down the interview, I just have one last question that I want to ask real quickly. Obviously, like, you're deeply entrenched in art, mainly music in one aspect or another. Yeah. How important is art not only for you, but for the world as a whole? I think art's the most important thing in the world. I always say that um, artists have their antennas to like almost uh, if they're real artists, like, you know, it's it's hard to find real artists. I think Kanye West is one of the last real artists out there. I think I know he's insane. Like, obviously, he's insane. But um, in terms of big, like with their voices out there. You know, obviously I'm a real artist. The people I work with are real artists. But in terms of a big platform, I think he's one of the last real artists that don't listen to, you know, these rooms full of data analytics guys, yeah. you know, or um, or like you, you need to have this uh, uh, progression because this chord progression um, is in the top, you know, 90 percentile for charting records. Like, you know, he, I think artists are important. Um, 
I, I think because in a world where everything's trying to be bought and sold, a genuine spirit and expression is probably more valuable than anything you could ever get. Um, like, I get it. Like, artists are crazy and they say things that uh, offend people and, like, are insane. Yeah, and, like, they should be taking a task on that, obviously. But you know what? That's uh, way more healthy for the human mind than uh, a PR team. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's way. Getting in an argument with a real person is way more healthy than um, getting the bleached, whitewashed um, Joe Biden in a dashiki kneeling. Um, kind, you know, I'd rather actually be mad at a real person right. than a than the PR team. Um, real, real people's being real and being yourself is really hard to do today. It's really, really hard to do today, and that's something that an artist is best at. Um, it's harder to be yourself than it is to be anyone else. Shout out, um, uh, Andrew Jackson Jihad, AJJ. That's a band, but it's go. true. Um, it's harder to be yourself than it is to be anybody else. And the only people I really truly believe the only people that can wake you up and get your heart pumping again is artists. I think they're the only other people that can start other people on the journey of self-actualization. Yeah. I think it's difficult to see yourself anywhere in this world. Absolutely. You don't see it in your work. We know, you know, if you're a good Marxist, you know that. Um, you don't see it in you don't see it in people around you because they're doing the same thing you're doing. It takes an artist to really wake you up sometimes. Um, and I think that's the most important thing we need now, especially. Nothing's real. Everything's bought and sold. Everything's commodified. Everything's an image. Everything's a fashion. You know, people you think are artists are really just fashion. Fashion is just aesthetics. Aesthetics dominate over art right now. It's hard to find an artist. Yeah. Um, and I think if there's anyone who's in, more in touch with the future and you as a person, it's going to be an artist. So please support, you know, please just and don't be afraid of artists, by the way. Artists are not gods. They're people just like you and take them to task. You know, artists be in their heads thinking crazy stuff. Always take them to task, you know, <laughs> always, you know, but um, that's how important artists are. They're the last real people alive. There you go. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way to word that myself. Uh, with that, that's all the questions that I have for you. Um, I've already showered you with a bunch of praise, but I'm going to shower you with more because it's my podcast. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. Um, look, whenever you, again, like I said before, whenever you first messaged me asking me to be on the podcast, I was honestly touched by that because, like I said, that was like you, in a way, helped me realize that this podcast was more than just me talking to random people. That, like, there are people that want to talk about themselves that want to showcase that passion that love and i can tell they got that passion and love for that music since day one just by our conversation alone and i'm honestly it's amazing to hear your backstory and i also want to give my condolences to your family especially your dad i remember whenever you yeah. whenever you said something about this upcoming record you said that this would be released on the one year it, it, it would be one year since he passed away and i'm it'll be it'll be a couple years but oh, it'll be on the anniversary it'll be yeah. on the anniversary but nevertheless like i'm i'm sorry that that is something that you've had to bear with you in your life by but with that in mind like i appreciate the fact that you're still able to power through that and to persevere through that 
to to go out and just Thank do you. what you want to do more than anything else because like you like I said I can tell just from our conversation that you got a genuine love and passion for this kind of stuff and I'm honestly hoping this isn't the last chance we get to hear you because thank you because yeah. because after listening to the record and listening to what you got to say or whatnot like i i'm dead set sold on you and i just know that there are going to be people out there that are going to absolutely love it and they should love it and i hope that this record gives you an opportunity to do more because you deserve to do more man you, you seriously do. thank you so thank you thank you for, no thank you for what you do thank you for providing good work out there <laughs> into the world and i i genuinely hope that you get a good audience with this upcoming record death dlx because again it's something else that i i know there's gonna be people that are gonna enjoy it so thank you thank you thank you very much <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome i guess i don't know <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those we can we can keep up the thank you battle all night yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for those who may not already know, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Um, I only have one social. It's at IRL underscore death on Twitter mm-hmm. that I uh, use. I'm not very online. Um, all of my records are on deathirl.bandcamp.com. Death DLX on all streaming platforms. D E A T H space D L X. Um, uh, too high out right now. Bananas, uh, single dropping. Um, it'll be out by time because this will come out. It'll be out after this park. It'll be out like this park is coming out August 5th, so it'll be out. So there you go. Perfect. It'll be out. It'll be out. Death DLX bananas. It's gonna be crazy. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be sure to link all that stuff in the description below. So if you guys are wondering, I got y'all covered. Um, there you go. Do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, stay safe, stay healthy, mask up. Um, by August 5th, God knows what the new national protocol is going to be. Um, the ever changing protocol to avoid a national lockdown, which we should probably have. Um, please stay safe, stay healthy. Um, take care of yourself. Um, no one else is going to take care of you. Take care of yourself for, for real. There you go. There you go. With that, all I have left to say is for the people at home. Ask the wig on me, amigos. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.